Welcome back to Reality 101. My name is Dr. Molly. And I'm Dr. Rule. We are discussing 90 Day Fiance the other way. Um, This is episode three. We're finally getting some people on airplanes. We're getting people meeting their partners. We're getting some first night vibes. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, We're really excited. This is our favorite show right now. I don't think either of us have a problem admitting that. So we're excited to talk about it. If you want to talk about it more, because we really could talk about it forever. We try to keep ourselves to an hour, but we could talk about it forever. Please join us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash RLTY 101 podcast. And you can also talk to us on social media. That's right. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And that handle is going to be at RLTY 101. Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment, send us a DM, tell us where we're right, wrong, what you disagree with, what you do agree with, what you want more of. Just let us know what you think. We are doing this podcast because we love this show and we also love to hate it sometimes. And we know you love it too. So we want to keep the conversation going. So feel free to chime in. Yes, we would love to hear what you have to say. Um, I think we have a lot to talk about. Um, do you want to just jump in to the episode? Do you want to, what, what couple do you want to start with? Your choice. Okay. Um, we have so much juiciness to discuss. Um, do we want to start maybe with the new couple that gets introduced? Okay. So new couple, um, again, right? Third episode. And we're just now meeting these people. And it seems like they are already a hot, hot, hot mess. Um, Here we have Debbie and Osama. Debbie is 67 from Sugar Hill, Georgia. She is an artist. She is eclectic. She has a whole life story that she shares with us. And then Osama, 24, Morocco. Of course, gotta be Morocco. And he's also a painter and a poet. Um, They've been together for three years. They've visited each other in person twice. So at least, thank God, they've actually met in person. I mean, at least this is not just a pure internet thing. Um, But goodness. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Specifically, I mean... The intro episode, you know, we always get one person's side first. So we, we've met Debbie. We we meet her son. Um, just some, mo- there's some several moments, right? Debbie tells us her life story that she was raised by a mother with mental health issues. And so she didn't know normalcy. Um, we know that she had a rocky childhood. She was, she had two marriages. Um, her second marriage, which I'm guessing is more of kind of her prevalent or impactful marriage of 23 years ended when she hired a private investigator um, to track her then husband and found out he was cheating. She went into a 12-year reclusive experience where she swore off men and it sounds like a depression stage. And then she came out of it. And I don't know about you, Dr. Rule, but I was hearing her story and I was like, wow, life is really long. Like she was just like, for 12 years, I (laughs) I just stayed in my house. I was like, 12 years, sweetie. Oh my God. But no, Debbie's fascinating. She herself is an artist. She calls painting her friends, which I can kind of relate to. Um, interesting symbolism going on into the painting that we can talk about. <laughs> um, 
and she's in love with Osama and she says his name like Osama like very 2000s but I absolutely I think she's kind of interesting actually yeah yeah she definitely is interesting and hey I I gotta give it to people like her but also to people like Angela right um another mainstay on 90 Day Fiance and even to people like Debbie right the other Debbie Colt's mom Mm -hmm. um you know I may not like these people all the time always but I do fundamentally respect the older women who are out there dating and living their life. I mean, I appreciate that they're not just, you know, deciding that they're too old for this or that nobody would ever be interested in them. I've got to give it to the self-confidence of getting out there, putting themselves out there and living their best lives in their elderly age. I do fundamentally enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, we're desirable at any age, and we deserve to have company at any age. And I also love, right, she has this meeting with her son, Julian, I think his name is, and he comes over to basically do the, like, don't go, mom, this man is scamming you um, type of stuff. And I loved the phrase when she said, let me have fun in the evening of my life. And I was like, you know what? I was like, well, first of all, am I more of in a mid-morning of my life? Because I'm in my early 30s. So am I definitely not a sunrise, but I'm like, where am I in the schema? I love this metaphor. Like she speaks in metaphors. She speaks in fairy tales. And she said, let me have fun in the evening of my life. And I completely agree with that, right? As you mentioned with Mother Debbie Colt's, um, Colt's mom, same thing. Everyone was disparaging her for moving in with her partner, what, after like only a few weeks of knowing him. And I'm like, if you're fucking 70... Who gives a shit? Like, I don't understand. You don't have that much time. So who cares? Out for. <laughs> right. For what? Yeah. yeah. So um, her son, uh, Debbie's son says, don't go. And she's like, I'm going to do it anyway. Let me have fun. We don't learn a lot about Osama besides her artistic rendering, which looks like a young Michael Jackson, if you will. Um, but... I think that there's, I mean, I'm going to talk about this throughout their entire relationship, but you know, the implied, the implication that he is scamming based on the age difference, which is not always the truth. And also because he quote is a writer and a poet, she's implying that he doesn't make money other ways. Um, But the way the Moroccan economy is set up is that most men under the age of 40 are unemployed. We know that the economies in North Africa, like Tunisia, um, like Egypt, like we've seen in other couples in the 90 day universe, these people are unemployed and it's not because they're lazy, it's because of the economy. And I think that we're about to kind of run into a lot of that with Osama. Like, why doesn't he just get a job when it's there are no jobs to be had? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just really the classic 90 day tee up, right? Older white woman in America, younger Moroccan man. I mean, specifically Morocco. Oh, my God. It's got to be, I think, the most prevalent country, right? Um, I feel like Morocco for the men and Ukraine for the women. Yeah, yeah. Good Lord. But then also, right, the the classic disapproval from the sun, right? I was sick to my stomach when I learned that they were in a relationship. Like, yeah, maybe, but also just like the tropes. This is really funny. Also, he seems like so opposite from his mom. I mean, maybe we could read that as 
an intentional development, right? In contradistinction to his mother's quirkiness. Um, but yeah, very, very different. I mean, he's a police officer, right? And I, I don't know, that's very different than being an artist. Very, very different. Yeah. And so maybe he has felt emotionally or vocationally like he's had to like pick up these pieces or like you said, have like an intentional development away from his mother's sensibilities and her lifestyle. Like I've always been dealing with my mother's hijinks. But I also wanted to say that I don't think that she's inherently unstable. I think that she's an eccentric person and you don't need, I think I'm an eccentric person, but I don't think my eccentricity is related to me just having trauma early in life. I think it's also personality. It's just who I am. Um, I think that she's just probably always been an eccentric, eccentric person and she's probably always made decisions that people don't agree with. And that's totally fine. Totally, totally agree. So we really don't get that much more insight into them um, beyond this you know, first primary introduction to her, a little bit to her son. We still have not met Osama yet. Um, hopefully that's going to be coming in the next episode. Can't wait for it. Um, anything else about them? Um, I just wanted to be professorial for a second. And can we read the read the um, painting that she made? I know that we don't have like an image of it in front of us. But I think like, okay, so, you know, we always say that reality TV is our object, right? So it's the thing that we're analyzing or looking at. But I think we can do that with this picture because I think it tells us a lot about Debbie. So for instance, she has the image of, she paints herself and she's naked, right? A vulnerable person, but she is half skeleton. And she says it, it represents her mortality, right? And I'm like, so Debbie knows that like her mortality is potentially imminent and she just wants to live her life. I don't know what's going on with that lion situation or the several renderings of Osama as a young Michael Jackson. <laughs> but I think like, I think it really speaks to the fact that, and she says this, right? That young girls grow up thinking that you are living in a fairy tale and there's a Prince Charming waiting for you. are going to come save you. And, and that the truth is, is that sometimes it's a big bad wolf. And I was just like, amen, sister. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. Loving the visual analysis that we get more. I would love to be able to read some of his works compared to hers. Yes, I love it. Yeah. And then next week, I'm going to go on a rant about the U.S.'s occupation of Morocco and why there's such a prevalence of Moroccan scamming Americans. So stay tuned for that next week. And <laughs> Stay tuned. So who should we move on to? next okay you can pick um i think we should go on to nicole and mahmoud okay yep (laughs) so just keeping with some of the similar themes right because this is the bread and butter trope it is the trope that the well you know what i'll say was not the trope actually so the trope is not the person not wanting to go. And she voices that several times, right? We see Nicole, we see her with her two parents, which I'm like, wow, you are so different from your parents. So different from her parents. And you can just tell by the way they carry themselves. I also see in when they're in the same space together, the juxtaposition energetically is like, she has so much anxiety. And I think she has anxiety about the move, but also about her parents being there. Like, I wonder if they've been judgmental over her life choices. And she even concedes several times that I don't want to move. 
I don't like Egypt. I know what it's like there. I don't want to go, but I have to. And um, we also hear or she her her about her faith, and she tells her parents that she did in fact convert to Islam. That's an issue. Um, but I would say the leading up to her leaving, like at the airport, when her dad's like, if I don't give you the jacket, will you not go? I think ultimately, like, this is a sad storyline, right? Like, I don't know what it's like to watch your kid, your child make a choice or a decision, a lifelong decision or an important decision when every fiber of their being is telling them not to do it, but they're doing it anyway. Um, I think it's challenging for everybody all around. Okay, I agree. But this is why I already can't stand Nicole. Like, why are you doing it? Yeah. You don't want to go. Don't go. Your parents don't want to go. You agree with them. Don't go. Like, why are you torturing yourself? Why are you torturing yourself? And why are you torturing this guy that is along with you on this journey that you don't want to be on? Like, for what? Because you guys got married? Oh, no, I, I just, I just, I don't get it. It seems self-destructive potentially to me. It seems, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. I don't understand it. I just want them to break up and go about her life living in LA. He can go back on the market, right. And find someone that he's more aligned with. I don't, I don't understand their connection point. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's keeping them together. And it's not even that they want to be together. Like she doesn't want to go there. Correct. Correct. And, and and I wonder too, if they actually were together and then they got, they applied for the show and then they got the call for the show. And then all of a sudden they had to rectify something because her saying that like, oh, I filed for divorce or um, deciding she was going to get divorced so that they separated. That's really inconsistent with someone that they would choose to be on the show. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if like she's just kind of going to give it a try. She's kind of half or haphazardly packing up her apartment, but it doesn't look like someone who's leaving. It might look like someone who's about to sublet, but not someone who that was not an empty apartment. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but we also meet more of Mahmoud and his brothers and, he, you know, even in his introductory episode or introductory interview, he says like, I love Nicole. She's crazy. She's like my quirky girl. And like, I love that she's just so different without a critical understanding of like, as you have said before, these difference differences are not just like personality or characteristics. They are based on value and those values express different ways that make your life together non-cohesive. Yeah, correct. Right. Um, and Nicole says it again. She reiterates basically the analysis that I did last week of her. And she literally says that she wishes that she had a magic eraser that would erase their cultural conditioning. Like, not only is that totally impossible, but it's it's really kind of delusional. Like, it's it's not reality. But also, why would you want that? Or why would you want that in a partner? Like, wouldn't you want to be with somebody that you can understand and appreciate the various parts of them, how they came to grow into the person that they are today, how they exist and move about in the world, right? And, and supporting them and seeing them really through that process. Like, 
you know, I mean, she's basically like, if you just put us on a spaceship and we never had to talk to anybody again or participate in the world again, we would be great. And actually, I don't think that that's true either. Um, I think it's, it's delusional because he still said, right, that even if he was on a spaceship with nobody else but her, that the most important thing to him is his religion. Mm-hmm. And that's also fundamentally an issue for her. Fundamentally, right. And again, like to your point, all these things that she describes as loving about him, it's like, well, what if all of those things came to be within him because of his love for Allah? What if all those things are definitely, you know, related to his conception of love is related to his conception of love of his religion? Like, yeah, you just cannot separate it. It's just very oil and vinegar rhetoric. And to me, it's very, very American, right? Thinking that, well, like, can't you just learn to love me and then we'll throw all those other parts away and then you can just be more like me? Like, that's not what that means. You have to fall in love with the entire person. Um, But we do, I kind of really hit home this episode that she's 38 and he is 30 years old. And this is his first relationship ever. Right. And his meeting with his brothers at the mosque illuminates that, right? His brother, one of his brother's Um, describes him as like the baby of the family and I'm like yeah well we can see that too and that one of the brothers had a a wife from China and for two years it was what did he say it was like hell or it was craziness or something for two years and coming from the U.S. and coming from China are very different things and uh, I like again it's just the moral of the story is I don't know what they think they're doing but it's not like anyone else's story and I think Mahmoud is very inexperienced just period right right and um we don't really have a sense of her dating history do we no yeah so I don't I don't know how experienced or inexperienced she is either but a couple of things to point out, right? The the first, I actually want to go back to what I was just saying about the conditioning, right? Um, because when he's with his brothers talking about how they're going to overcome the obstacles in the marriage, right? One of the, the first things that really comes out is that he's not thinking about divorce and his family's not thinking about divorce even as an option, right? Mm. Like you got married, how are you going to work this out? So that's one thing that I think is fundamentally different about their orientation to their relationship, whereas it very much is an option for her, right? She's like, if this doesn't work, we'll just get divorced. And he's not even thinking in that way, seemingly, right? Um, And then the other thing, too, is that his brother actually tells him, you know, that it's, it's part of your religious obligation as her husband and as a Muslim man to teach her about this new religion that she has converted to and accepted and stepped into the role of now being your wife. And, and so I think... I find it very endearing that Mahmoud is like taking this on and has seemingly a lot of optimism for her growth. I am less optimistic about her potential for growth. And one of the reasons also why goes back to the cultural conditioning where I think they're just baselines are so different. Right. And I think that she 
and maybe even the show too, because it's it's produced from an American perspective, is sort of operating from the understanding where the neutral zone is whiteness. The neutral zone is Americanness, right? Um, the neutral zone is, you know, I don't know if you would say that she's sort of culturally Christian, probably, right? I, I mean, to just impose that, I think that she probably grew up celebrating Christmas and things like this, whether or not she's actually, you know, a practicing Christian. Um, and then that's, that's, again, considered like the neutral baseline from which things like his brownness his nationality, his religion, all deviate, right? Um, whereas that's that's really not the case at all. She's equally culturally conditioned, like to your point that you made last week, but they're not approaching it that way. Absolutely. And I don't think, she also doesn't actually inherently, she says it implicitly, but do you realize that she never actually says like, Islam is the problem. She constantly says Mahmoud's, basically like um indoctrination of islam is the issue and she again takes it out uh she takes it personally right and related to what you just said about her relationship history i'd be curious to know if all of her previous relationships she had a gripe with someone trying to stifle who she was or stifle her self-expression right because that's obviously a her thing um but i do wonder right like so when they meet at the she finally flies in and she's wearing like a very, I would say, conservative outfit, right? By American standards, very like high neck in a blazer. And she shows up and he's like, oh, can you close your blazer? And you can tell she gets really, really flustered immediately. And her initial response is, you're so rude. And I just don't understand why that's rude. <laughs> I understand that it's a trigger for her and he should understand that too. But I cannot believe that she is someone who's converted to Islam and she is someone who's married to an Egyptian man and she's still operating on the level that that is a personal attack. That's, mm -hmm. so that tells me that's as far as you all have ever gotten in the relationship, in all of these discussions and all of these fights of living together is that he's offending you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it just, again, signals the lack of understanding and probably lack of maturity and... I. I mean, I want to say like even lack of cultural competency, that rude is not the word that, that we're looking for here. I mean, maybe you don't like it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's rude or like, it just, it just seems like she fundamentally doesn't understand like his perspective and where he's coming from. Um, and I think that that's made clear by her discussion of her conversion process, right? Mm -hmm. Like she tells her parents, like admits to her parents that actually she has already converted to Islam. You know, I thought somebody was going to have a brain aneurysm, right? But didn't. <laughs> I actually thought there was going to be maybe more of a showdown about that than there was. Mm -hmm. um, seemed like they probably just went home and cried. But <laughs> I mean, she she fundamentally says, like, I did this without realizing what I was doing. Like, you know, um, she didn't realize what went along with that, what it was going to implicate for her and her lifestyle and her choice in the eyes of her now partner. Right. Um, and also, I mean, this, this isn't a huge deal, but she mispronounced hijab. 
also, which seems just like very basic. Um, again, like as somebody who was depicted at least wearing one, you know, I don't know. It, it just seemed indicative to me, like maybe you don't really know what's going on here. You don't know what's going on. And no, I completely agree. I don't think she's read the Quran. I, I don't think that she Googled anything about Islam before she decided to convert. I think it was about, I'm in love with this lover boy. And to be honest with you, they probably wanted to be physically intimate. And so they wanted to get married. Right. And and she probably thought, all I have to do is say some words, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's just not the case. I've heard on other podcasts, right, describing Egypt as like a very conservative Muslim country. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like conservatism definitely relates to individual towns, cities, or families. I don't think Egypt as a country is extremely strict. I don't think they can be because of their, I see them as like a very much a global historical center. People from all over the world visit Egypt every single day. Um, but just for juxtaposition, like a conservative Muslim country would probably be more like something like Saudi Arabia or Syria, where like laws that are like Mudawana is actually like codified within le like legal laws. But I don't think that, I think that she actually came to a country or tried to emigrate to a, a country that was going to be more accommodating to her. And she doesn't want accommodation. She wants to live her life and have her boy toy, mm -hmm. her brown boy toy. And I don't think she's going to get it. And I think that they are, I don't think it's going to end well. No, I, I can't see a, a world where it ends well. Um, Again, I feel like I'm kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's just inexperienced and maybe, I mean, he he's not that young, but he's never had a romantic relationship. And he, I just think he kind of gotten over his head with this woman. Also probably not realizing how deep their differences are. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's just, I can't see a world where it works out. I just can't. She's trying to manufacture that world, my friend, and it's she's not going to be able to do it. Can't sew that on your little sewing machine. No. Again, even if you put them in a spaceship and they never saw anybody ever again, I don't think they would work. No. And so I think, yeah, it's about to be scary. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll be exciting and maybe more. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So who should we move on to next? Okay. Um, oh, good God. Let's go to Danielle and Johan. Wow, there's so many things to say. She always just gives me so many things to say. Basically, this episode, we just see them apartment hunting. Is that correct? Is my memory serving me? I mean, and when I say apartment hunting, they see like one apartment. And Danielle describes that she wants um, or she wants like more of an environment that's more of the city. This is basically her in a nutshell. She wants the DR experience, but she wants to be like also some of the resorts are more like American friendly and like they have pools and all these amenities and she can hear or like she can actually afford those things. Right. That's like the implied um, commentary that she can afford those things but there tends to be a lot of Americans around and so you know they are on the more expensive side but she's interested in looking and so they see an apartment that's fancy schmancy TM and it is $2,000 a month and Correct. she discusses with Johan about you know how he's going to help her with those payments Correct. I mean, and again, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with wanting to live in this place with wanting to spend that much money there's nothing wrong 
really, you know, with wanting to be surrounded by expats. The problem is that she's being inconsistent, right? Saying she wants to move to the DR because she wants to like get away from Americans in New York. She wants to have this experience like Johan's family, but, but again, she doesn't, right? She wants to live in this sort of like vacation expat bubble, which again, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that, except that she's pulling Johan along with her and he's unable to live in that expat resort bubble with her. Um, And again, I just think that she's kind of mean to him. Like, I understand that he can't contribute as much as she would like. But she should also understand that this is like not news. Um, I thought it was really nice that, you know, he was indicating like his willingness and ability to contribute and to partner up with her for things like the rent. But she basically just um, demeaned him when he provided that amount. She was like, you eat that much for breakfast. And that, again, I think is just really kind of unnecessary and rude. And it might be true. Okay. Let's say it's true. If that's their dynamic that they go out and she pays for things and he, you know, understands that within the contours of their relationship, he can eat this, I think $90, 90 us dollar equivalent breakfast. Again, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that, but then Danielle, you need to put up these boundaries early on and say like, I'm not going to pay for this or we're going to live within your means or I am going to pay for more. But like, she's just delusional. He doesn't have more money. Yeah, and I just, well, I want to go back to like this idea of him living in a resort, right? Very similar to what he works at. Do you understand that him as like like a Dominican, dark-skinned man that him walking around there is setting him up for potential microaggressions every second that he lives there. People confusing him for an employee, people confusing him as waitstaff, and under the fact that he does not speak English. Why would you want your husband to live there with you? Don't you think that, again, you should find a more communal ground, like literally and figuratively for you to live in? Like his comfort, it's not about her. She's she thinks she is in the evening of her life. She thinks that she is going to retire and just live in the DR and get her Fruit Loops from America, but then get to be around all of these like beautiful dark-skinned people. It's not her reality. And she goes as far, like, I really want to talk about this comment she makes to him about saying like, she, you know, she's like, okay, well, if you can't contribute financially, are you going to be cleaning? Are you going to be cooking? How are you going to contribute to the household? Which I think is actually a really great point, right? Contribution can come in many forms and they're all mutually valuable. But then she feminizes this idea of domesticity and says, okay, well then you're going to be my wife. And I think that does less of emasculating him. Like there's a lot of people talk about emasculation a lot. I don't think that this is emasculating. I think this is actually a very anti-woman phrase that she uses because what she's saying is okay well if you aren't going to give me money then you're going to be home doing the bitch work which I don't think is valuable I don't think it's valuable and so since you can't give me the real value of money then you're going to have to do the grunt work and you're going to have to basically be served like a serve me or be subservient to me in order to make up for that but with wifely work or domestic work it never equates to money so it doesn't matter how much he did 
it would never amount to him just giving money and it would always be an issue. Correct. Correct. I, I mean, I just completely agree with your, with your analysis here. Um, and I'll be interesting to see, you know, if this issue comes up again, how he really responds to it. Um, because also, you know, we know that he just started this business, right. And is dedicating his time to this business that she does not agree with. We also have no idea, but I would imagine that this business without meat refrigeration is in a different part of town than this expat resort living complex. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's really important. I think that we draw out that even as a woman, right. We can still embody and promote patriarchy. Um, and we see that happen exactly in this type of diminishing of domestic work that is cast as women's work, um, you know, for for no reason, right? There's nothing inherently feminine or womanly about this work, right? This is all a social construct. But then the fact that that work is devalued, right, is also the major issue here. And yeah, um, I think it's it's not just mean to Johan, like the breakfast comment, but I think is also really fundamentally, um, you know, misogynistic, right? And yeah, she has she has a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, really I mean, can I get this last point in about feminism? Feminism is not, we live in a household together so we can co contribute an equal amount. Feminism, right, or a pro- equity environment, a respect of all people, is understanding the way that social constructs affect how we can contribute to a household. So if you're saying I need, we have $2,000 for rent and I need a thousand out of you because that's 50-50, that is being completely blind to the fact that he lives in a country where he does not get paid enough because of the inherent history of colonialism that's basically devalued Dominican Republic currency and that he will never make enough doing what his skill set has allowed him to do because of the potential barriers to educational opportunities to contribute $1,000 a month. It's the same thing that goes even in America with female embodied or feminine embodied people. I make, I'm a Black woman and I make 60 cents, 67 cents on the dollar than my white male counterparts. If I were, in, if I was living with a white male and they said, I need you to pay 50-50, I'm like, well, then make sure I get paid what you get paid because I don't. Society says I, I'm not as valuable as you. And she's just not like, it's just, I just don't understand how you can live that long and not read it. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. I, I mean, she doesn't understand. She doesn't get it. Um, and it's, it's really, really bad. I mean, I feel like they're just on this spiral down where every episode is just getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't see a way that they're going to make it in a healthy way. I think they actually might stay together, but I, I don't think that it's going to be healthy. I don't think it's going to be mutually respectful. Um, I mean, I think she's living out this sort of fantasy that she's able to bankroll with her American dollar in this, you know, developing country. Um 
And that this is just kind of like her, you know, American playground. And it's, it's very deeply troubling. I think it's, it's kind of similar to what we see actually with Nicole and Mahmoud a little bit in the sense that I just don't understand really what their connection point is because um, I understand that like they have fun together. So maybe it's again, this like fantasy idea, but where the rubber hits the road is that also, you know, if they're working out this negotiation that he's going to be the one that contributes to work in the household, you know, not only does she make it very clear that she's going to look down on that, but then when he does try to do things like have his business, she shits on that. And when he says things like, I want to go to the U.S. so I can work and make more money and support not only us as a couple, but my family, you know, she's, she's done with that too. So it's like, I don't, I don't really know, Danielle, what you want other than something that's just totally off the grid of, of reality. I completely agree. I'll just say to end, and this isn't a spoiler about the relationship. So I feel like I can say it that Danielle, it's been revealed on Reddit that Danielle has recently filed for bankruptcy, bankruptcy in the U.S., and that Johan is a very thriving, he's a sex worker. He's a thriving business on OnlyFans. And I hear he's making lots of money and has many patrons. So I, I'm interested to see how their finances turn in the future. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to need to follow up in more episodes with more on this. But yeah. Hmm. 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 That's all I have to say. Yeah, same, period. Okay, so we have, you want to talk about Rishi and Jen really quickly? Because I think that there's a very quick segment. Yeah, um, I mean, feel free to to jump in with them. Okay, so basically we're seeing Jen heading out um, to see Rishi. He's in Jaipur, so she has to take multiple uh, flights to go see him. Um, and we do meet or meet his family a little bit more. He lives in a multi-generational household with a lot of other family members. And it seems like his family is actively trying to arrange a marriage for him. And again, it becomes clear or it becomes more concretized that he has not told his family about Jen. He has told them that he, he has a friend. I think this is like very Jenny and Summit. And it's just a very regurgitated storyline um I don't really have anything to say about them except for I don't know if he's going to be able to get free from his mommy's craw because mommy seemed very adamant that the proposals are pouring in and that he must accept one by the end of the year because she does not want to do housework anymore (laughs) yeah yeah I also don't have a whole lot of um commentary about them right um very, very Jenny and Summit to me. I think it makes sense that the producers would want to recreate that high drama storyline that Jenny and Summit have provided. And I think that, you know, Rishi and Jen definitely embody things like the age difference, obviously the race and nationality differences. Um, but I think with the added component of Rishi being this like, fitness person and trainer and model you know I think that they identified this couple honestly and were like they're gonna stir the pot Jen is gonna freak out she's gonna get all insecure as an older woman his family's gonna hate her she's gonna be a secret there's gonna be an explosion and I think that's 
exactly where the train is moving. I think that's what we're going to get. Um, but beyond that, it's it's not particularly interesting. No, it's not. And her family clearly is so not ready to pick up the pieces. It looks like they've picked up the pieces a lot. Um, her brother has picked up the pieces often. Her mom is too nice to ever say anything about it, but they are just like, here we go again. And um, we get like, for the next time on, we get a glimpse that Jen is going to make an ultimatum and say, you know, let me know when you want to tell him about me. But again, you know, it's going to be Jenny and Summit. It's not that easy for him. And the reason she loves him is because of his culture and all the things that it's made him into. And so we shall see. Yeah. Lest we forget, she called him a douchebag, right? In the first Lest we forget. <laughs> in the first episode. Yeah. So Okay. So anything else for them? Are they gonna work out? No. 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 There's no way they're gonna work out. No. Ever since I saw her make that video for him, I was like, no, this is gonna be messy. Fast. <laughs> okay. Um, we have two more couples we can breeze through we have Gabe and Isabella so we that's also you know I wanted to say that if we can talk about them I don't feel like we're gonna have a lot to talk about because Isabel has a conversation with her friends um, one of whom she met Gabe through um, who are both queer and the bulk of this episode is basically them just having a conversation about their sex life and how Gabe has sex as someone who's had bottom surgery. And I just feel like it's not our place to speculate or even talk about that. She is his sex partner. So I think she can talk about whatever she wants. Um, but I don't want to, cause I don't care how he has sex. Correct. And one, the one thing else that I'll add to that is um, I hope, right. That 90 day fiance doesn't just, you know, make his being trans the crux of their storyline, which again, it seems like there has been a lot of attention given to his physicality, right? His surgeries, um, you know, there has been a lot of talk about penises, right? And bulges and all of this. And I hope that it doesn't just become, right, a, a matter of how does this person have a relationship that is sexually satisfying and, you know, accepted within the family all because this person is trans, right? Like, I hope that the transness isn't just the storyline, but otherwise I don't, I don't have anything to say about them and the show didn't really have anything else to say about them. So I just hope it doesn't continue to go in that direction. I agree. And I mean, we see some footage of him in the car with his sister um, who's gorgeous, by the way. And they're just discussing, um, you know, she's like, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss being in your business. And they do you like, this is a thread that they could pull on, which is that this is a pattern for Gabe, a pattern of kind of falling in love fast and being super serious and enmeshed in his relationships. Um, but they don't really pull on that thread and he's on his way. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And otherwise, it seems like he has a good relationship with his family. She has a good relationship with her family. They are well socialized. They have friends. They have, you know, I, I don't know. So um, again, hopefully we'll actually get into their relationship, right, on, on a person to person and personality level. And that the whole conflict isn't just going to be around his being trans. Completely agree. 
Okay, so um, do you want to make a prediction on them if they're going to stay together before we move on? Or say yes, just because I don't have any reason to think that they won't. I mean, uh, again, like, is her family going to have a problem with him being trans? Potentially, right? <laughs> I don't think that she would terminate the relationship on that basis. And I don't think that he would either. So yeah, I mean, we'll just see where it goes. But I think I think they could be good. Completely agree. Completely agree. I think they'll be fine. Um, okay, so our last couple of Chris and Jamie, whom you know, we this is basically the episode where they meet and they're touching each other and they're saying, Are you real? No, are you real? And um, no, we see them, I mean, go into the meet at the um the hot the hospital, the apartment, what am I saying? The airport. And Chris can't believe that she's shorter. Jamie is shorter than she thought she would be. And, but, you know, they think each other is beautiful. They move into the apartment or they go to the apartment that Jamie picked out for both of them. That Chris apparently did not okay. And it's a hundred dollars more than they agreed upon. Which they kind of gloss over. I'm like, I, I didn't know if they're foreshadowing like money issues, but you know, we'll see. Um, but I think that the, what basically what they're foreshadowing is that Chris is going to have more health issues than Jamie is potentially ready for. And whether that's ethical, you know, for her to not want to be in the relationship over or how that's going to kind of function in the relationship. What do you think? Yep. I think that's where we're going. And I think we're also going in the direction of Jamie making more decisions and being sort of the leader in the couple, just because She's from there. She speaks the language. She's been, um, again, living in Colombia for some time. She's not originally from there, but, you know, she's established herself there. She has a network. Um, you know, this is very much Chris coming into Jamie's territory. And I think things like the cultural differences, the language barrier, in addition to, you know, her health issues might make, um, Chris, you know, feel like she's not an equal participant um, in deciding things for the trajectory of of their relationship. So that's where I think it's going. I, again, there wasn't a whole lot, right? They put on their lingerie. They are mm-hmm. together. Um, pretty much smooth sailing thus far. Um, yeah, I I also want to hear a little bit more about what their actual connection point is, just because they seem very different. Um, I mean, Chris is very sort of eclectic, right? And I'm not really getting that vibe from Jamie at all. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I want to learn more about what has brought them together. And um, yeah, otherwise, not that much to say. Yeah, and and they plan to get married in like nine days or something like that. So I'm <laughs> very curious. I don't know, you know. And yeah, they talk about night terrors and neck issues and surgery. And yeah, I they're in for in for a ride. Yeah. One question I have for you, Dr. Molly, now that we've wrapped all these couples up, is of course that one of the premises of 90 Day Fiance, um, in all of its iterations is that somebody may or may not be a scammer, right? Looking to take advantage of an American or get a green card or whatever that may be. Do you think that there's any of that going on with any of these couples? It's a really great question. 
I actually do not think so. Um, you know, the only storyline that I think really leans toward that would have to be Debbie and Osama, but I think that they tend to lean again on someone like of Arab descent slash who's unemployed. And I don't think just because you're unemployed, you're scamming. And it sounds like, I don't know if Debbie really talked about this, this episode that, but she's never given him money. And so I don't, I don't think, I don't hear scamming anywhere. And I know that um, in um, Caribbean love or love in paradise, right? So the previous season that Johan and Daniel, Danielle were on that her friends thought that he was scamming her, but um, do like, I think you've mentioned this, right? Do I think that marrying an American is giving some people certain opportunities, especially like with Johan? Absolutely. I actually don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that though. Um, and I would actually say that most people don't, especially since we valorize it in American culture as marrying up. Um, but I don't think there's any, no, I don't think anyone's scamming. What about you? Yeah, I, I don't really have a strong sense of that either. Um, I mean, again, like, I wonder about the connection point for some of them, like Chris and Jamie, right? Like, what about Chris is Jamie really attracted to? Because again, it, they just seem different, right? Um, but Mahmoud, I think, like, we have every indication that he loves living his life and doesn't want to to move or anything. Um Rishi and Jen too, right? Like Rishi's like, I'm the hot guy on the block with the long curly Jesus hair, right? Like <laughs> I get lots of action, right? That's the implied idea. I can't see him wanting to move Danielle and Johan. I also, I think that Johan wants to move to the US, but in not a scamming sort of way at all. Um, Gabe and Isabel, uh, they just really seem like a very normal couple to me. And again, like the fact that he's always gone back there for work seems very normal. And then Debbie and Osama, right? We haven't met him yet. Um, it seems like the most potential for that. But again, we'll just have to see. Yeah. And I would invite any of our listeners to chime in and let us know if you think anyone's scamming. And also, I'd like to invite you all to think about scamming totally broadly, because it doesn't have to be just I'm getting money out of you. But I think in a lot of different ways, we could think of Danielle as scamming Johan for his culture and for, you know, access to a country that she absolutely is in love with. Um, and so I think when we kind of dislodge scamming from this money narrative, there might be a lot of scamming going on. We've seen in previous seasons, um, you know, especially with like Big Ed and Rosemary, I would say that was him scamming her, um, you know, for tech sex tourism and for her body. So there's a lot of scamming. You're right. That goes on. It's a thread. But like you said before, this American, since it's an American produced show, I think that they double down on, well, the American always has something that the foreigner wants. And that is just not true. Right. That's absolutely the baseline. So yeah, let us know. Let us know what you think. If you have any predictions for these couples, what you think Osama is going to be like once we meet him and let us know where you think uh, these couples are going. If there are any threads you'd like us to elaborate on terms you'd like us to define, let us know and we'd be happy to engage with you. Yeah, so you can, again, check us out on patreon.com backslash RLTY 101 podcast. And there's also going to be a poll up soon. This is probably a surprise to Dr. Rule, but there's going to be a poll up soon. There's a lot of new shows coming out, and I and Dr. Rule are interested in what people would like us to cover or what you're most interested in watching. So we would love your feedback on Patreon or via social media.
Yes, absolutely. Um, you can always expect new content and new shows from Reality 101. And we are going to be meeting to discuss, right, which additional shows to take up. Please keep in mind, too, that back issues are a possibility or back back issues. Oh, my God. I'm such an academic, right? Uh, back, what, what am I even looking for? Previous. Oh Thank you. <laughs> Obviously, have publishing on the mind. Previous are also totally up for, um, you know, consideration for us. So as a reminder, you can weigh in through our Patreon tiers or on social media. That's going to be on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram with the handle RLTY101. Okay, everybody, that's going to be it for us, but we're going to be back next week with new episodes on 90 Day Fiance and Married at First Sight. So go ahead, Dr. Rule. All right, that's class dismissed.